What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Forever. Dog. On today's episode of Weekend at Bergman's, lock your doors and board your windows. We've got unsupervised children on the loose. Representing the art house, it's Harmony Kareen's 1997 feature film debut as a writer-director, and boy does he go for it. I'm, of course, talking about Gummo. And representing the mainstream, it's that perennial Christmas classic, Home Alone, from 1990, written by John Hughes and starring Macaulay Culkin, among others. Joe, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready, Brett. Then roll that theme song! Every week, you and I watch two movies together. Well, not quite together, because we watch them apart. You at your house and me at mine. Whoa. Every week, we watch the same two movies. Gummo, hum alone, hum alone, gummo. But how do we choose these two movies? Well, one is a brilliant, beautiful work of cinematic art, the height of the medium. And the other one is mainstream. I'm talking popcorn, baby, Hollywood endings. But what happens when we watch them back to back and have to say which one? We liked better, and here's the point. We have to be honest. Yep. Welcome. Welcome to Weekend at Bergman's. We're going to watch an art house movie and a mainstream movie, and we're going to say which one we like better, and the one we like better is going to go in what we call the canon, and the one that we did not like as much is going to go in what we call the trash canon, and we're never allowed to watch it again for the rest of our lives. That's the premise of this podcast. My name is Brett Bohm, and I'm seated across the table from my co-host, Joe Cilio. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to uh, Weekend at Bergman's. Uh, another week, another great pairing of movies. This one, oh, yeah. This one, uh, listener recommended. Listener recommended. Thank Thank you to Liam Carroll. Liam Carroll. Thank you, Liam. Man, these listener recommends are are absolutely scorching hot. Just I off. love Red Shoe Showgirls, and I adore Gummo Home Alone. Oh, Gummo Home Alone is just a perverse genius of a pairing. Gummo Home Alone what is a very, demented it's idea. Very funny joke. Very funny pairing. I love it. 
Very funny to watch back to back in my house. And the uh, suggested theme here was unsupervised children, Hilarious. which is very funny. Uh, I would also suggest the theme, uh, which we'll get to, of of the inhumanity of man, because oh boy, Gummo, there's certainly a lot of that. In and Home we- Alone, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ever, everybody's so mean. In a week when Hollywood is obsessed with violence and its effects on our population, Brett and Joe go deep on children violence yeah. on Weekend at Bergman's. Does Judd and Adam McKay have a point? We will discuss today via Gummo and via Home Alone. Violence in Hollywood. You know, people are always com- people are always coming after these R-rated movies, you know, as like when they point at violence in Hollywood and its effect on children. Look Home Alone. Look at Home Alone. We all, we all, we've all watched it multiple times. It's easy to criticize guns. What about these other weapons laying around your house? These everyday objects. These, no, com- these common scary. household objects. And also just the just the cruelty in that house, just the constant abuse. We'll talk we'll about get to it. it. We'll, we'll talk get about to it. it. That is a mean household, and I, I would not want to be part of it. Also, just you know, for the record, you know, you said in your intro, yes, Home Alone, written by John Hughes, motherfucker. It was directed by Chris Columbus. Show some respect to the Artur himself, the director of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, the director of Rent, the director of lots of Hollywood classics. Chris Columbus, folks, put some respect on his name. The discoverer of America, the genocidal killer of its indigenous. No, it's a different guy. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's just like it's just a totally different guy. It's not that one. That guy's old. This was a new guy. I didn't think that. The dates don't check out. The dates. I was just desperate for a little one-liner, and that one wasn't. That one doesn't really. That's okay. Doesn't really hold water. Uh, But you know what does hold water is this uh, first game we're gonna play here. Yes. Oh, we've become a podcast now. I yes. This is like the third or fourth time you've brought a game, and I basically came to the recording just like to play the game. And talk about the movies, but really, what kind of game are we playing? Oh, uh, now this, now Joe, you, uh, true or false, you are about to become a first-time parent in a true. couple months. Right? True. So this is a timely pairing for you to get inside to the, understand. the minds I'm having of, a boy. of children. You're having, I'm a, having boy. a boy. <laughs> God bless. Will it be a Gummo or will it be a Kevin? Will <laughs> TBD. There's pros and cons of both. And when we say Gummo, which of these fucked up little kids are we talking about? Okay, so I think, I, I think I, 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 Gummo is of... the kid that eats spaghetti in the bathtub. Or is Gummo the, the bunny kid? The bunny kid, I don't know. I'm going to say Gummo is the kid in the bathtub eating spaghetti. And I'm going to say that Gummo, what redeeming qualities could you possibly want to have a son like Gummo? Resourcefulness. I... We will at some point, Brian. I have it. I have it next to the Gummo movie file. Uh, I have Harmony Kareen's famous appearance on Letterman to promote Gummo. Oh, fun! Uh, we should probably watch it. I think watch it after we talk about Gummo as, well, okay. as a little. As a little. Is he like annoying and Dave? You've like, never seen this? Him? No, no. Oh, no. Harmony Kareen is one of the great Letterman guests up there with like Harvey P. Carr. So he's uh, doing Kristen a thing. Glover, in, but, but, but Letterman's, Letterman's loving the thing. Letterman loves it until like he apparently Phoenix. didn't love it anymore. But there's three famous Harmony Kareen appearances on Letterman. No way. Letterman. Letterman loves it loves it okay letterman's uh, all in, well all in folks he's all in on gummo but he loves like you know po- he's doing he's he doing the letterman thing. thing right he loves it, he's poking fun at it Wait, he's not like mean to somebody on the show that would be horrendous and unfunny right uh so this first game uh is, is going to get you ready for for parenting um through through the 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 persona of gummo and I, i've kind of collapsed all of the kids in gummo I, i've i've collapsed all the kids in gummo into one sort of entity that i'm calling <laughs> they're gummo. the gummo they're the gummo all the kids which rolled also into a inspired ball. uh today's costume we should we should say if you are not signed up for forever dog plus you are missing the dang preach you are missing the boat on this on this week's episode because mm-hmm. uh joe looks incredible thanks man uh, Joe, describe what your uh, the inspiration for your costume. I'm a little. I'm home we alone. Dress up I'm, I'm home we dress alone. up every week. We dress week. up every week. I'm a little bit Kevin. You know, when he wakes up in the morning and he goes, 
I made my family disappear. But then I'm also, you know, a guy that got stuck in a kooky Christmas scenario. I got lights draped over yeah. me. And folks, just as an homage to a great piece of comedy, I got myself an iron here. Might be dropping it on some faces later if I get really in the spirit of Home Alone. But hopefully... Hopefully it won't happen. You look fantastic. That. Thank you. And uh, what about you? I mean, we both brought props, but your prop is better because it smells uh, like it smells, a prop. Yeah, it smells very strong. Uh, so I am wearing uh, the pink bunny ears that the the uh, one, one kid. Yeah, probably. But I mean, Gummo is also one of the Marx Brothers, which Kareen talks about in the Letterman interview. We'll get to it. But the kid who is um, sort of maybe a spiritual entity in yes. the movie, kind of floating in and out of it, uh, symbolic of the of the, uh, the the this town that's been destroyed by the tornado. Tornado, um, and all the things that were lost, you know, in that process. Uh, Gummo, uh, the, the kid with the with the pink bunny ears. That's all we know about him. He wears pink bunny ears. He walks around. Uh, two other kids like fake shoot him uh, at one point with their fake guns uh, and stand over his corpse and sort of desecrate his corpse. It's a, it's a very uh, strong movie. We'll talk about it all. Um, I also uh, yeah. have written uh, uh, the word Slayer on my tank top. In I my love own, that. In my own blood, uh, which is sort of briefly alluded to. There's a lot of uh, black metal, thrash metal on the soundtrack. Uh, and then I also have a big plate of spaghetti here, which uh, famously the kid who is on the uh, poster, you know, the most Gummo. recognizable. And then they put Gummo, you know, you begin to think that he's Gummo because he's always on the poster and it says Gummo. Uh, but I don't think that's Gummo. I think that's I think it's all Gummo. It's We're all Gummo, Gummo, baby. All the kids are Gummo. We're all Gummo. He eats spaghetti in the uh, tub. So I got a big plate of spaghetti here. And the point is you can only see it on foreverdog.plus. That's the point. You can never only but see it on foreverdog.plus. you can't see the spaghetti unless you go to foreverdog.plus. It's four ninety nine, folks. You know what I call that? A steal. Less than five. That's good. Speaking of stealing, uh, we're going to go through some scenarios here. Joe, you as a parent, uh, imagine you're the parent of Gummo, and Gummo, yeah. Gummo's going to get in a little trouble. We've got a couple scenarios here where, where Gummo gets in trouble. And I want you to answer. Um, I want you to answer in the form of, now Gummo. All right, so I'm going to give you a scenario, and then you say, as a parent, yes, now the you, world and then, of and then after the Gummo. scenario has happened, you've got Gummo alone, and you're going to start off with now Gummo, <sighs> okay, right, and then you got to what, what would you what would you say well, to him in these scenarios? No, no, you're, when you say Gummo, you're talking about the kid on the poster, or just all the kids combined into a, Gummo? a hybrid of all the kids now in Gummo. the movie. Yes. I love this game. Now yeah. Gummo. Now Gummo. Okay, this is fun. all right. Here we go. Right, so let's play, play uh, now Gummo. It was just Father's Day. Let's hear it for the fathers. We love you. We love you, fathers. Oh, I don't know. I'm gonna do this. What kind of troubles gum and get here? We go. Here we go. Oh, you're gonna find out, baby. Here we go. Here we go. Oh no, gummo! No, don't do that, gummo. Let's try it one more time. Let's see what we can do here. Don't do that, gummo! No, don't do that, gummo! All right. Your first scenario. Let's keep my father's eyes on the background. I love that. Lay it on me, Gummo. What'd oh, no. What? Gummo bought a Jane Mansfield action figure on the dark web and left it dismembered and covered in fake blood on your neighbor's doorstep. And your neighbors are really nice. Now, Gummo, what did I say about sharing your... Gummo, what did I say about all of this? You know, what would I actually say if I was a kid's dad? I'd be like, Gum now, Gummo, we're getting in the car and going to a psychiatrist's office. I would say, look, this is admittedly a kind of silly game, and we play oh, silly yeah. games. Okay. I would, I would, uh -huh. I think you, you know, this is a great opportunity, like you said, to get in the reps. I would all take right, this right. completely seriously. All right, now, Gummo, first of all, I'm going to have to take away your computer privileges. Going on, using your computer for the dark web is not homework. 
I'm sorry, I will have to revoke those privileges for, I'm gonna say, two weeks. Secondly, okay. terrorizing anyone, um, period, is, is awful, and I, and- Oh no! People, oh, what's wrong? Gummo said uh, he's sick of spaghetti, and he wants risotto, and he wants lots of it, and he's not putting the gun away until he gets his goddamn risotto. Now, Gummo, is that how I raised you, to throw a tantrum like that? Please, just sit down, we'll be happy with- Tonight we're having spaghetti for dinner. Okay, we can't have your favorite foods all the time. Tonight is spaghetti. The spaghetti is lovely and wonderful. Me and your mother- No, wait, no! Um, mm -hmm. Gummo said he was going to the ice cream parlor to stare at the exposed pipes, but he actually went to the abandoned shack in the woods with a couple of Proud Boys and did whippets until he passed out. And the Proud Boys had to call you at work and tell you to come pick him up, and it was a very important day at work for you. You no. had a presentation! Now, Gummo, I don't know if you were allured by the Proud Boys' uh, 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 psychology or you were allured by the drugs, but either way, I don't want you ever hanging around with those people over ever again. The fact that you even went there and did any of this is totally uh, emblematic of a problem, which is that you... Oh, no. We, we, we're not trusting each other. Oh, no. What? Another tornado hit town and Gummo's running straight towards it. <laughs> and he's screaming, don't stop me, I want to touch the abyss. I want to know what love is. That's a song by Foreigner. I used to listen to it on the radio that my mom bought me. My mom bought me lots of things. Tennis shoes, vintage radio parts, hate group pamphlets, vials of Walt Disney's semen, and so on and so forth. Now Gummo... Please, son, I love you. This was you're gonna get seriously Speak injured. Louder. There's a tornado. You're gonna get seriously injured. Please just come back. I wanna hash it all out. I wanna hear it from your perspective. We're gonna get through this, but please don't put yourself in harm's way. There's no reason to go out like this, Gummo. Tornadoes are dangerous. Gummo turns. He turns just a few a few feet from the tornado. It's whipping around right in front of him. His hair is flapping. He's starting to he's starting to pick up off the ground. Is something in his eyes changes. That's it, boy. Now, Gummo, come here. That's wonderful. Please, you're making the right decision. I know th things have been hard recently. Gummo steps, takes a step towards you. Gummo, please, that's... Come on, boy, keep coming. Now, Gummo, come on. He's, that's perfect. He looks at you and he says, Father? Yes. My father? Yes. Yes, boy. Come, come, tears, my beautiful boy. Tears start to run down Gummo's cheeks. This is, yeah, mixing with the too. spaghetti sauce and the. Despite it all, despite we'll get through the, everything. The blood from some unknown source, I'm not his own, for, not I'm his here own for blood. You. Gummo breaks into a sprint. He runs towards you. Yes. He, you pick him up in his arms. You swing him around. Oh, Gummo, I'm so happy now. Now we can rebuild. And together you flee the tornado. Come on, let's. I heard that there's a an in and out 150 miles from here. And then we drive the in and out and we hash it out. You're gonna do Joe, a long talk, Joe. You're gonna be a great dad. Thank you. You're so gonna be a great thank you dad. So much. That's all. That's great. And thank you for getting the reps in. I hope I never have to deal with such an intense gummo esque situation. I think you're gonna be such a tremendous parent. You were understanding. Nothing. You were patient. Yeah. Look, I'm pretty terrified of my son. If that's what happened, but that's would be my fault. So I yeah, surprisingly there. long leash there on Gummo. Well, I feel like I was I was was I just on like a bender for three and a half years? Did I disappear from his life? Was I giving like now? I feel like in that scenario, I finally come around. But man, for Gummo to get this into the, some of those scenarios, I must have messed up pretty bad. Yeah, you know, I must have messed up pretty bad. Yeah, you definitely dug a big hole there. He was uh, hanging out with Proud Boys, huffing glue in the woods. 
I didn't want to say anything. That would be really bad parenting. You don't. You don't. So thank you for saying I'll be a great parent, but apparently. Not not a hundred percent of the time. You will be. Yeah, you don't get gummo in a vacuum. You definitely no, you, you have definitely to, you have to really put it, you have to put in to get out of gummo. I hope I never put in that sort of energy because I never need a gummo in my life. Son, when you listen to this one day when you're old and you're shaking your head going, Jesus Christ, Dad, what the fuck? You need attention that bad? You're gonna wrap fucking electrical lights around yourself and fucking make a fool of yourself? Fucking when he's listening back, I want you to know, son, I love you and I hope I hope that um you never you never felt like you even wanted to become a gummo. Be honest, is gummo on the uh, names list? Is it? Is gummo it... is making the short list, but you know we're trying to we're trying to look at some family names. But that's definitely one of our favorite alts. All right, fingers crossed for a little gummo cilio. That has a nice ring to it. It's pretty good. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Gummo came out in 1997. We'll you start with Gummo's a Marx brother. Uh, yeah, Gummo was the was the let's see, Groucho, Harpo, Chico, Zeppo, uh, fifth. He was the fifth Marx brother. Uh, he was apparently the funniest of the crew. You know that old thing where they're like the brother who's not uh, on camera. Oh, what, you should hear Gummo. One of, one of those myths. Yeah. What else happened in the? Uh, he was a businessman. He was a theatrical a- agent and manager. He also sold uh, women's clothes. I think maybe swimwear or something like that. Uh, he did a lot of different things. Cool. Gummo. Uh, something about Gummo struck uh, Harmony Kareen's uh, interest, and that's what he named the movie after. Cool. Uh, this movie, which is about, let's 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 kick it off with. Uh, oh, do I not have my? I don't have my phone for the timer. Here, use mine. Okay, all right. Every week on Weekend at Bergman's, uh, we do sixty second recaps. In case you haven't seen the movie or haven't seen it recently, Joe is going to take you by the hand and guide you through these uh, the plots of these movies. So then you know you're like, oh, that's right, that's right, or you're like, oh, that sounds interesting. I might I'll have to go watch this. Uh, sixty seconds on the clock. Please summarize the plot of Gummo, which came out in nineteen ninety seven and was written and directed by Harmony Kareen, starting now. Gummo is a is a film from the late '90s where Harmony Kareen takes us to Xenia, Ohio, uh, where a tornado has just recently landed or and has devastated an already devastated community. Shot in his now classic, world-renowned documentary realist camcorder style, a series of vignettes paints a picture of a town rotted out by a hundred years of uh, American. Greed and the the detritus of the American Empire lays before us as a bunch of un uh, uh, paid attention to children. Twenty seconds, sort of walk around and try to fight boredom in the ashes of empire. 
just twisting and screaming and crying Ten in their seconds. own way, shooting things and killing cats and partying too hard and not funly. A disgusting, beautiful little movie. And that's time. Great summary of a, of a very difficult movie to summarize. Oh, thanks, uh, we will say here before we get in too deep, um, big time, big time. Uh, I mean, a, probably a couple content warnings should be applied to this movie. But the one, the most prominent one is uh, animal violence. Uh uh, if if that's a trigger for you, I would not watch this movie. Um, if you have a tri- if you have this movie's not for the faint of heart. This movie has yes. some real loot, some shit in it. This movie has a it has lot some tough some tough yes, stuff. Yes, some tough stuff. Uh, but definitely a lot of lot of animal violence. Um, I want to speak uh, to that tough stuff. It though. was not. Uh, there were no animals harmed in the making of this movie. Uh, it was all uh, faked. But I'm actually oh glad boy. to hear that. Yeah. Yes. Because <laughs> I was is. there was one point when I was like. I don't know. It is uh, it's tough, tough to watch. Tough to watch. But um, it's so funny that of all the things that happen in Gummo, the a- animal violence is number one. The animal violence is graphic, but there's there's a lot of a uh, lot of tough stuff in the flick. And I will say, starting off here, uh, as as unique as as aggressively unique and singular as this movie is trying to be, and I think succeeds in 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 some senses. Um, there's a lot of Harmony Korean is 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 channeling a lot of influences here. This is really, I think, the entrance. And we, we you know we had had uh, David Lynch. We had had people that had brought a, a somewhat similar aesthetic into some earlier movies. Um, but uh, this is Harmony Korean bringing, I think, a lot of um, things that have been going on in European cinema in the previous decade or two into the American independent cinema. Um, he's obviously a big fan of Werner Herzog, and then Werner Herzog saw this movie and famously. Um, loved that there was a, a strip of bacon taped to the wall of the bathroom uh, when the guys eat, when the kids eating spaghetti uh, came up to Harmony Korean after a screening and said that he loved the strip of bacon uh, on the wall in the bathtub um, and then was in Harmony Korean's next movie Julian Donkey John, uh, Julian Donkey Boy um, and Mr. Lonely uh, thank you and Mr. Lonely um, but there's a so there's a lot of Herzog here a lot of Stroshek a lot of that style. Uh, there's some, you know, some fast binder in here. Uh, like I said, there's, I think there's some David Lynch, particularly with like the Roy Orbison kind of on the soundtrack a little bit uh, later. Uh, Kareen might, uh, balk at this, but I saw some, you know, Linklater slacker, I think is also a big, you know, structurally kind of an influence here of a movie that kind of is like going through a town from character to character in little vignettes. Um, and then also, uh, Leos Carax, uh, who did, um, you know, uh, later would do Holy Motors. Uh, and then at this point had done Lovers on the Bridge, his movie with Julia Bonneau. Um, and Dennis Levant. And can I say, please? Those are all. Those are all uh, ob- obvious, but those are all in there for sure. And yes. work. But also, just to say, um, just '90s skateboard camcorder culture. Yes, and VHS and and VH straight to VHS and metal all, all, metal, culture, all metal culture, satanic panic kind of stuff. And, f- and photography is obviously a huge influence. Yes, photography, um, home videos, like found footage. Like there's, there's just, he's channeling, combining, you know, a lot of strands from kind of the American, American subcultures and then combining that with these fairly high-minded kind of European filmmaker yeah. influences, I think. Uh, also Dog Me 95, of course, that whole Lars von Trier uh, group out of, uh, out of Denmark, uh, which I think he Anything was like the weird- only, Disgusting. He Wasn't he was the only? Dude. I think he was the only American accepted into Dog Me ninety five. No I, I will vouch for this. Uh, 
Uh, what did he do for the, some of those weird short films? In Julian Donkey Boy, Kareen is still obsessed with scattered images, juxtaposed scenes, blah, 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 but there's more of a structure here. Perhaps because he was under the strict guidelines of the Dogme 95 manifesto. Kareen was, as he says, invited to join the Brotherhood of Dogme 95 by Lars von Trier and Thomas Vinterberg. Uh, wow. And Dogme 95, of course, is this group of Danish filmmakers, um, maybe more than da- just Danish, I think Scandinavian maybe filmmakers, uh, who created this very strict set of rules um, and the goal was a kind of uh, ultra hyper realism. So you couldn't use artificial lighting. You couldn't use manufactured sets. You had to shoot. I believe you had to shoot on digital. Um, it was this sort of hyper. It was like it, they wanted everything to look sort of like home movies or almost like I guess it, in a way Dogme 95 is sort of the precursor of of camera phone stuff, you know, like yeah, that is so cool. Yeah. I did not know that at all. And that makes all the sense in the world. So it was between Gummo after Gummo. He got invited to join Dogme 95. So, um, yes. Yeah, so there is this movie is a really interesting again confluence of all of these kind of influences from uh, European filmmakers mixed with like Joe said this this these American subcultures American kind of trash culture whatever you want to call it this was your first time seeing Gummo this was my first time seeing Gummo and my and then I now I've seen all of Harmony oh wow! Films. So you had seen everything except for all oh, his wow. feature, feature films. Wow. Okay. And of course, we're talking about Julian Donkey Boy, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Lonely. Lonely, Spring Breakers, yep. okay. and, and the Beach Bum. And the, oh, lest, lest, lest we, we forget, forget Moon Dog. Oh, the Beach Bum. So yes, I, this is uh, yeah. I now and I never seen Gummo, and I this is I sort of it. the yeah, and this is sort of the DNA of all of those movies Definitely. in a way. Uh, this is this is really his just like get a couple cameras, like fuck around and find out kind of movie. Uh, I, I heard yeah. a saying back in the theater that I was thinking about for this film, which was, you know, in the theater, someone said one time in one of the plays I was working on, some director or something said, we're going to do a table read. We're all going to be amazing. And then we're going to spend the entire rehearsal process trying to find a way back to the table read. And this, I'm saying this was Harmony's table read. This was this thing. He just came out of the gate totally, and not I mean, look. He did kids, and he worked on that, and he wrote kids, and wrote kids. Obviously, the, yeah. that was him through and through. But it was him in, in a partnership. Yeah, and there's plenty of him in there, and he learned a lot. But this is pure harmony, and this is sort of the what he'll be pulling from for the rest of of his career. You know, he immediately kind of establishes his motifs, just like children being bored and acting out in um in in the rubble in the in the American carnage, just in the yeah. in the, the, the burnout uh atmosphere of the of the country. Violent, um funny, horror. Yeah. We'll talk, I wanna, and and like that, similar but, yeah. to similar to Tarantino as well as some of these guys, he also just can't keep out all of his interests, all of his personal interests. Yeah. So there's all these these little like the little like in, in this sort of burned out rubble of a like off the grid American town. Um, everybody sort of has these weird, like old showbiz influences. Like the like the the one kid Tumblr is like always doing sort of like vaudeville esque like comedy stand up comedy routines, like old jokes. Um, at one point, uh, the actress Linda Manns, who was the kid in Days of Heaven, and I think hadn't acted in like eighteen years. She's the mom of of who you were calling Gummo, the kid in the bath. The kid um, in the bath. Yeah. Um, She's his mom, and she comes in and and, and does like a tap dance routine, and oh is talking about God, like I the family's that. like old showbiz origins. It's like no, <laughs> yeah. they don't. They just this is just like Harmony, just like wanting his to. His dad wanted to get into tap dancing. So his dad wanted to get into tap dancing. In yeah, um, and 
there, there's a lot of like myths around Harmony Kareen's own upbringing, but I think he did sort of was like his parents were like loosely kind of those sort of like, you know, fringes of show business kind of strivers. Um, or at least he's Same. sort of he said that in 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 different ways in interviews. Um, so we get th- this is really just a bunch of m- much, I think like, like a lot of sort of vignette based movies or collaged movies. Um, it's I, I found it to be on this rewatch. I found it to be very hit or miss. I, I was I was very impacted by this movie the first time I saw it when I was in college course because I'm in college and it's just like the most aggressively sort of original thing uh, that also feels like close to you because it's a it's a kid from Nashville like you know scrounging around enough money to make this movie Um, and he seems like you know he seems like the skateboarders and the punks and stuff that you know and and are hanging out with and so uh, it was a movie that felt aggressively original uh, that felt visionary in a lot of ways but felt close and familiar and felt kind of like doable or feasible it's the kind of movie that like you know in, inspires a hundred you know a thousand ripoffs i think but i found out on this viewing i found it very hit or miss very hit or miss like almost scene by scene really? um yeah and particularly out of the gate it was kind of a slow starter for me this time and i think one of the reasons is is that you have he's using mostly non-professional actors you do have linda manns um but she hadn't acted in a long time uh, Jacob Reynolds, who's the kid uh, that eats spaghetti in the bath, he had been on the, that movie Road to Wellville, and Harmony Korine had seen that and really liked his face. Uh, but Nick Sutton, who plays Tumblr, the other main kid, uh, the older kid, the kind of more dangerous kid, um, he famously, Harmony Korine, saw him on a Sally Jess, Jesse Raphael uh, show. That was like one of the daytime talk shows where they'd have troubled kids on, right? So he saw that kid on a Sally Jesse Raphael show entitled uh, My Kid's Sniffing Glue. And and so so t- yeah, yeah so the uh, Nick Sutton was is very much kind of you know was an easy casting choice for Tumblr, um, but you have you know you have these non professional actors and then you have like. Uh, but but you're asking these non-professional actors. Sometimes he's asking them to like really act and like do acting and do like scripted scenes where they have to perform. And then other times it feels like these like kind of found footage home videos, uh, like the scene that we have to watch where they all, all those guys beat up the chair and they're like everybody's cheering them on and they're beating up the chair in the kitchen. Um, or those scenes of the, of the two like skinhead brothers who like fight each other. Uh, there's like you know so there's scenes where there's like non-professional actors but they're just filming it like a home video and then there's scenes where these non-professional actors are kind of asked to like act and do a scene and read scripted dialogue and those scenes felt uh they just felt uh, less impactful to me they felt kind of like um it's like if you're gonna do it's like no you're not doing you don't have to do scripted like scenes like that are sort of played for somewhat traditional effects it's like keep i i found the 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 kind of home video stuff the the unscripted stuff much more powerful and interesting um and i wondered if this could have been more of a straightforward documentary um just some of the some of the narration the feature filmmaking of it all uh was just unwelcome to me on this viewing i kind of found it boring uh whereas the more documentary style stuff i found really really interesting and compelling that is totally fair. I 99 times out of 100 when you do the they're not real actors thing, I do not like it. Like, you know, I only one coming to my head right now is Gran Torino. Sorry everybody, I'm sure there's 10,000 running through your head, but when you know, in Gran Torino it's like they're not real actors and I'm like, "No, I know." Like <laughs> they this movie is horrendous and all, all the actors are terrible too. Um so that is interesting. I didn't f- I fully expected because I, you know, I love Harmony, but 
I like you, you know, I saw Julian Donkey Boy and Mr. Lonely and Kids and Trash Humpers when I was in college. I I get it. I was like, this is going to be weird. It's his first one. It's going to be like weird and and boring. Um, But I actually didn't. I didn't really find it boring. In those scenes, they didn't bother me. I thought that holistically, all of the different, like the collage he was putting together with the sort of mixed medium collage, the photos, the documentary scenes, the actors, the not actors, um, the vignette nature, the voiceovers, the brilliant, exciting use of voiceover. I found all of that working together really well to accomplish something very specific. I don't think that the movie is, um, you didn't say this, but you know, I don't think the movie is um, pulling a bunch of different things together and hoping it works. I think it's really carefully curated film to give you a serious sense of dread, a serious sense of abandonment, uh, loneliness, but also on the other side, um, a boatload of humanity and humor. So one of the great things about Harmony Corinne is that he understands that horror and comedy are two sides of the same coin. They both have setups and they both have punchlines. And what he does so brilliantly is sometimes he sets up a horror premise and gives us a comedy punchline. And sometimes he sets up a comedy premise and then delivers a horror punchline. An example of that would be when the two boys with the guns that you alluded to shoot the bunny kid on the floor, sort of setting up what could be playful and comedic, though scary. And it turns into them sort of uh, him just continuing to play dead as they rummage through his pockets, shoot him multiple times, uh, fake, but you know, still terrifying, shoot him multiple times, like desecrate his corpse, call him a whole host of names. Yeah, we're not going to play that scene and here, but the, it's not funny. the rhetoric um, they use is just, is just like every, vile. they just say the nastiest, most vile things. Mm-hmm. You and could, and yeah. sometimes there's like a horror setup that made me like belly laugh in the film. And I think what the brilliant thing about Corinne's movie at the end of the day, and they're not for everyone and that's totally fine, but the reason I love them is if you go all the way to the center of the earth, if you notes from the underground yourself and you go to your core, and that's what he sort of displays, just like the most loathsome impulses of humanity. But sometimes when you're down there, when you're in that scene, and it's a bunch of people standing around at a party with fluorescent lights, drinking, arm wrestling, and just punching each other and breaking a chair and breaking things with really nowhere to go and nothing to do, honestly, all of a sudden, you can really see a lot of humanity. And I think this movie has a lot more to show us about people, good and bad, mostly bad. But there's something about just reveling in the bad and paying attention to the bad. And let's put a microscope on on the bad um, that really just kind of like um, makes me filled with like pathos. Like I've like worried about p- these people. This movie is really about an impoverished part of Ohio, but it was shot in in Nashville. Right. Um, and, you know, this movie really is a focus on um, on an imp- impoverished in a real sense. Do you know in the scene when they go to film in Gummo's house and that kid is fixing all those uh, frames, pictures on the wall, there's bugs f- climbing all around the walls. Apparently, the crew had so they said, I'm not going in this house unless I'm wearing hazmat suits. That's right. Hazmat suits because he was shot shooting in location. He was in shooting in real locations. He refused to use Nashville. sets, uh, which no, is probably why he got an invite to Dog Me 95. So but he was yeah, this was real, a real this house. Is real. This is real yes. people's lives. There were tons of cockroaches climbing all over the walls. Like the whole entire house moved when they walked in. The crew says that we have to wear hazmat suits. And Harmony Corinne and, and his buddy, uh, who was the editor or something. Well, hold on. This they, is important yeah. too okay. because uh, this is a great point you're making. This is uh, the, the, um, 
cinematographer on this movie was Jean-Yves Escoffier, who worked on uh, Lovers on the Bridge, Leo Crax's mm-hmm. Lovers on the Bridge, and was like That's this very in-demand, famous yeah. French cinematographer who uh, who Corrine just made a very hard pitch at, and he loved the script, and he was kind of an equally like like fuck it let's do it kind of guy and so he worked for a, a fraction of his normal rate um but yeah he and Kareen were uh i mean a let the crew wear fucking hazmat suits you're you're like like what what are you doing but they were like offended that they weren't going like 100% and weren't being real with it and so they both i think uh wore like tank tops and shorts and flip-flops right while the crew was in uh hazmat suits in this house uh, as a way of saying like you guys aren't Aren't in, as invested aren't, as we are, Mars. right? And they're like, "Of course we're not. We're the fucking no, I, I, crew I know, on I day know, rates." But, but it, I know, I know. But for all of these kids to all on this in this town on this day do all of these depraved things, that feels heightened to me. So, sort of the difference between the true documentary vibes of shooting on location paired with sort of the heightened violence and impulses of these children creates this fantastic quality, and that sort of dissidence is what makes the film so pop in my brain and yeah. I sort of lost yeah. track like is this person an actor I-, I got totally fooled this viewing is yeah. this person an actor is this person real um, and then beyond just finding real people like the people that he chose to be the real people so interesting and fascinating and full of life that uh, the albino woman who worked at the fast food yeah. restaurant yeah. she seemed full of like life and excitement her and scene's incredible yeah. she wanted to like touch Patrick Swayze she'd pay good money she loves movies this is how she likes boys to treat her this is how that and um, so many of these those the VOs and the interludes and the documentary splicings. I think that the movie, despite it having all these horrendous pieces of horror, is also really enlivening, insanely funny, and full of humanity and life. Or like as far as these like peak behind the curtain movies goes, you're getting a real peak, and the peak feels so intoxicating and bizarre because there's a dissonance between the realities of extreme poverty in America and the heightened yeah. uh, um, id of Corinne's. Uh, script or collaging. That's a really, really excellent way of of, of framing the movie. I think, and and I, yeah, I want to revise what I said because I think I wonder if he shot this movie in sequence because, you know, I said that I didn't like the more sort of performed scripted scenes. Um, I don't like them early on. They start to get better as the movie goes on, and it it almost seems like the movie is kind of like learning from itself as it's going on, uh, which is very probable considering this was his first feature film uh, and he's a young director because the um, like as early on you have these scripted scenes and you have these kind of unscripted documentary style and the documentary stuff is like you know it's the classic like it's it's you know stranger than fiction kind of stuff like it has more and not just stranger but has has more nuance to it has more angles to it Um, and so as the movie progresses the scripted scenes sort of start to become more surreal, more dreamlike, almost as a way I think of saying like, well, we're not, we can't compete with the documentary stuff on on a sort of like line by line basis, but maybe the scripted stuff can become this surreal counterpoint, this dreamy counterpoint. Um, let's look at two, let's look at, let's put two scenes kind of in comparison then. And I think, I think this epitomizes what you're talking about. Uh, we'll start with uh, a scripted scene Um uh, at 43 minutes in, 43 minutes in. Uh, and a really stunning part of this movie is you truly never know what's going to happen from scene to scene. Um, you Because each scene uh, is in a way like a little, a little short film, a little short story. Um, so in this scene, we see um, 
the kid, uh, we'll just call him Gummo, the kid in the bath with spaghetti. Yes. God, you, you, spaghetti kid you is wore Gummo. me down. Let's do um, it. So we see Spaghetti Kid, and he's like alone for the first time. We're seeing him alone for the first time, and he's making his way down to the basement of his house, and we have no idea what's going to happen here. We've seen him do some horrific things so far, uh, animal violence. I love this um, part. I think this part's a great uh, example of this, terrifying but full of humanity. Yes, exactly. And this scene to me is is like the movie is like, oh, okay, almost like the movie finds like a new trick here or a new thing it can do. Uh, but let's just watch this that. and we'll, we'll you're, describe. You're, 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 you're right. We'll describe what's going on here. So he comes out of the basement. It is just uh, littered with garbage. There's a sort of an unused Something you'd see on broken horse, on horse. toilet, a cinder block, a bunch of trash and cardboard. Uh, but he's very much at home, very much at ease. He knows exactly what he's looking for. He turns on his boombox. Madonna's like a prayer. And he goes to a full length mirror. <laughs> Starts pumping weights, baby. Pumping iron. Couple hand weights. This is what I'm talking about. Harmony Corinne totally understands what's funny and what's scary, and he uses that tension constantly. Wait until you see what's scary in this scene. See, this is a comedy setup. Here comes down the mom, who's just like you know. Going and again, this on is a uh, this is Linda premise. Linda Mans, who was a who was a child actor. She was the kid in uh, Days of Heaven. Hadn't like, acted for two decades, it, and she's talk. she's killing it. She's great. Yeah, that's great. Oh, it turns off Gummo's music. Rude. Gummo's still going. Gummo is like, in the I'm, zone. Gummo's, like, I'm Gummo's fully in the zone. Dad's old taps. Pulls out his dad's old tap shoes. He said he was blessed with the gift of tap. Took up tapping when he got his bald spot. He wanted to get transplants, but I thought that was a bit drastic. Told him if he wanted to, he should take up tap. He put up the mirror. He said if Marlena Dietrich could see him dance, she would fall in love. What do you want with Marlena Dietrich? She had a bottom lip. Right, so that's so funny. So this is so funny. Hourglass figure. Don't you know stars are flawed? So we're sort of on board, like we're almost like your your heart's almost out of your chest. You're like, wait, this is like, this is just funny, right? Come on, oh, weird, but smile. weird and a little sad, but kind of funny. Now she's starting to. Now she's behind him. She's joking with him, but she's she's getting a little aggressive. She's kind of picking on him a little bit too. It's a fine line. Dad. Come on, hold that tummy in. Come on, can you smile for me, please? Pull that tummy in so secretly. He's not smiling. Here she go. goes and she gets oh, a... Oh, she has a gun. She has a gun. I'm gonna kill you, Just putting a gun to her child's head, saying I've killed before. See, this is not how I would parent Gummo. This is not advisable parenting. This is also very funny. It's very funny, but it's also very scary. Yes. And that's what the whole entire movie feels like. All right, we can stop there. And then she goes back to tap dancing. Wow, man. So, yeah, that's, that, that's awesome. Do you not like, like, what do you think about that scene? I love it. I love, I love it. it. No, right? no, I was, no, I, I can't. This is a movie. It's hard to say things about that are consistently true for the whole movie. And, and that's why I love yeah, about this yeah. movie is like, it is like scene to scene. You're watching a young kid with some very um, 
high-minded influences, but this desire to really go at it his own way and find, like you're saying, Bring find these dark it. undercurrents of American culture uh, and then string them together with old popular culture. I mean, it, it's just exciting to see someone go for it this hard uh, and with this much freedom. Oh, my God, the freedom he had in this movie. I mean, it didn't cost a dime. Uh, and he got he got uh, that, that French DP on a budget. So he really – he. Um, but it is it's thrilling and you just you just are constantly I don't think there is a sort of coherent uh, like, you know, uh, macro uh, uh, reading of this movie. I, I think it's a movie that you read like in segments, although I did like your overall framing of it. Um, but it also just sort of, yeah, it changes for me scene to scene. Uh, but that's 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 yeah. the that's the thrill of it. That's that's it's, the it's yeah. totally thrilling. It keeps you surprised. But I, I, if I were to guess at like a thematic through a thematic point yeah. as if this was some sort of morality play which it is and it's 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 much more than that but you know um when you i think there's a little bit of and it's not really a, a on one hand it's not political on the other hand it's in the most political yes. movie you've ever seen right you know when you give people nothing to do yes. with their lives and their lives are worthless and they have no hope you know they're going to get up to to know they're going to just like find ways to feel they're going to cut they're gonna they're gonna torture. They're gonna um, look for danger. They're gonna punch each other. They're going to like drink. It is really like yes. a despairing picture of um, America being completely and totally gutted. And there yeah. is there that is. Um, I think that maybe it doesn't end with like a, a a line. It ends with a kid holding up a dead cat to a a camera. The bunny kid. And it's really dis- sad and disgusting. But basically, the whole movie as a whole is sort of like um, it's it's the funniest um, version of it's a it's a giant critique of America, but it's also a love letter to where he's from. And that sounds bizarre, but it's just like you know, Born to Runs, like a love letter to where Bruce Springsteen is from. Even though it's about like I'm going to kill myself if we don't get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. It has that energy. Yeah. Um. I think it's I think it's one of those things. It's comedy. It's horror. It's all the humanity. It's all of the temptation to get out, um, uh, of a situation. And you didn't. It's funny. I mean, the tornado is a great. Is just a great device to. But it's like you didn't need the tornado. The tornado is just late stage capitalism. The, the tornado is America. The tornado, the yeah. The, the tornado happened and. Yeah. And um, but it is a great device to just in like you said in introduce this just complete devastation and then in that vacuum of no of of a broken destroyed civilization, um, what do you do? People fill time. People fill time. You, you uh, they have, try to be as bad as they can. They try to be in some cases uh, uh, as 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 good as they can. They they try to just they you just get these extreme responses to the vacuum. And the movie's not again. This isn't like what I think is happening in in Xeni, Ohio. This movie is a height, like completely and totally right. blown out. But it's also therefore communicating by taking it all the way to the nth degree, communicating something realer than a documentary. Let me uh, let me propose. I I don't know. I'm hesitant to do this, but let me see what you think. I mean, th- this movie also plays a lot differently for me now in 2022 than it did in 1997. And this is, I will say, as a preface. Um, you know, post MAGA, basically, this movie plays, I think, somewhat differently. And I, and this is not at all a like, you know, oh, we should have paid more attention to the Gummo. silent majority, or they wouldn't, so they would didn't become so racist. It's not, it's not that. It's but, but this this in 1997, but. this this the the world that is depicted here did feel, uh, like it, like it sort of 
did exist and didn't exist. That it was this like this sort of um, heightened version of a of a um, ignored America of a forgotten like part of America of just sort of deep down, you know, you know, redneck, nothing to do but kill time America. Um, but now that America has has like ass- asserted itself very prominently in the last in the last, you know, five, six, seven years. Um I don't know. Does do you feel like this movie or or is that just an unhelpful frame to apply to it? Or is this was this like is this movie almost a kind of warning of of like the world to come in a way? I think it's both and and nothing. Like it's both. Like it or it, it is and it isn't. You know, sorry for the soft answer, but basically what I'm saying is like all of history is connected. This obviously contributes to where we are today. But on the other hand, this movie is completely divorced. It has no idea yeah. about any of that. Kareen, I don't um, think it had yeah, any intention of being prophetic or anything. No, it no, has yeah. nothing to do with that. It's just about like the 90s. Like, guess what, folks? Like, they're not that great for every, you know, it's just, it's, it's the 90s aren't that great movie. Um, and so it, it totally is on the path to that because the 90s were on the path to today. Like NAFTA, the destruction of the American manufacturing, the gutting of the country, the outsourcing of the country's labor, you know, that contributes to where we are today. Um, but the movie is, uh, like you say, not, it's not about the what's coming. It's about what's right now. And I kind of love that. It's about, I love that about Home Alone, too. It's not a coming-of-age film. It's about, about kids. And they're just like kind of set in time. He's Gummo's not growing up. Gummo doesn't learn anything at the end. At the end, Gummo's whipping a cat to death, just like he was at the beginning of the film. There's no change here. Yeah. That there's no there's no change. Just like there's no change for Kevin McAllister. We'll talk, we'll get well before we get to Kevin McAllister, well, no, I do but, think yeah, I do think there is like because we talked uh, when we were watching The Matrix, we talked about this sort of edgelord moment in late '90s culture where like you know uh, uh, white artists, white creators, kind of assumed that we had solved a lot of the problems of of society and civilization. You know, in terms of like civil rights. And things like that. And then so they were uh, a little too free in their sort of ironic uh, uh, approach to those issues. And also they were like way into like, you know, cyberspace issues and these things that, that, that then seemed to be the big issues of the future, when in fact, we had not at all solved any of the kind of foundational wounds of American culture, and, and they were all enduring. Um this movie, I think, as well, falls into that sort of roughly into that sort of edgelord aesthetic of of, uh, you know, a white filmmaker just being very aggressive and fucking metal and punk and skateboardy and this and that. But I think he does acknowledge like, no, there are still like I mean, because the people in this movie that are depicted uh, again, non-actors, I mean, they're racist, they're violent, they're angry. Um, yeah. uh, they uh, they hurt animals without compunction. Um, so I think there was, in a way, this movie maybe stands alone a little bit in that sort of edgelord world of, of the late nineties as a kind of, uh, as a kind of red flag of like, of like, there is, there is still, there is still this very violent seething underbelly of America, right? We are, we are not like, you, you may be flying headfirst forward into the, the, the sort of high tech future that you think is coming, but there is still this absolutely off the map, angry, seething, like, um, uh, you know, in many ways, just disgusting, violent, 
part of American culture that is that is still there. Um, and it's also there because because it, it has been ignored and just left to rot yeah. and left to its own devices. It's because they're all fucking star- for dinner. Gummo ate disgusting spaghetti, a glass of milk, and a, and a candy bar in a tub full of brown water. Um, and it was really hard to watch. I'm not making an apology. I'm just saying. Like, no, again, that, like, that's like, not a like, that's like, not an excuse like, like, for no, being racist no, or violent, like, but it is a context is for the, being the, racist or violent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One hundred fifty percent. It's just like a very uh, disparaging thing. I feel like it's more of a harbinger of UFC than of MAGA. But I, what's I, the difference? Well, and then, and then that's and then that's a beautiful that that's a beautiful point too. Well, let's watch. Uh, speaking of a harbinger of USC, let's watch one more gummo scene, and then we got to zoom forward to Home Alone. Uh, one more gummo scene for the uh, road, please. Uh, Fifty six ten. Fifty six ten. This is a uh, one of the famous uh, unscripted scenes from the movie. Um, these are uh, mostly, again, uh, I think exclusively non-professional actors in this uh, movie. Just people in Nashville that Kareen sort of knew, friends of friends, or people he knew. Uh, uh, famously, Kareen has said, though, several of the people in this um, uh, kind of the, the big, beefy white uh, guy, I think in particular, had just gotten out of jail a couple days before this was filmed. Uh, and they got him and his buddies drunk in a kitchen and just kind of filmed. Uh, there was a apparently a real the sense of sort of danger. And this could go off the cliff at any moment that you that you get from the movie, I think, was also very it was ha- very much happening in real life while they were filming. Uh, there was definitely a sense, I think, of. Yeah, I of of like, oh, uh, this this could this could go south any second here. Uh, basically, it's a bunch of drunk dudes, uh, um, and they're um, uh, they're they're, 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 they're and fighting shoving. a chair. They're 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 trying to beat up a chair, and they're getting uh, cheered on. So let's watch this. I will say this guy admittedly is having some problems with the chair. He's not making much progress on it. He's really trying hard, though. He can't really. Yeah, takeaways. This guy sucks at <laughs> the chair is winning right now. The chair is kicking his ass. All right. Here comes the other this bigger guy shirtless. Like I know he's OK. Oh, no, he pops out the thing. Oh, and everyone on set's like, haha, we told him to do this. But oh, no. Oh, no. The disturbing part is the people commenting on it and fueling it are they're commenting as though this is a person as this is a human that he's beating up. Right, now he has made a complete he has just destroyed the chair is chair. going down. He's twisting the leg. Oh, there it goes. You can only see this guy beat up a chair on forever. All right, we can stop. We can stop there. We can stop there. <laughs> and they're still going at it. Now he's hitting it with a hammer. Okay, so it is uh, it's, this. It's this to me is tough. That that scene is an all timer for me. That that really captures everything I think you were saying about Gummo of just the the it it's it's about violence it's about anger it's about rage but also just the futility of these things and these things happening in a vacuum um but they are they are beating up this chair with such with such just intensity and like they fucking hate that chair but the chair of course is every it's just right. it's their whole it's like lives the Clint Eastwood every RNC Obama chair you know maybe that's was the that was the <laughs> that was that inspiration was what, they, what they gave him yeah what you don't know about when when Clint Eastwood took an empty chair out on onto yeah. the floor of the uh the RNC that should be one of our movies the Clint Eastwood he speech had at the just, 2012 
uh, Republican National Convention. He was fresh off a screening of Gummo, fresh off a screening of Gummo, <laughs> uh, and said, you know, the chair scene was so powerful in Gummo. I'm going to recreate that. Gummo's good. You can only watch it on Vimeo. You can, uh, there's a, you can't uh, buy it on iTunes. There's a low res, there's a low res version on Vimeo. I watch, I watch it on Vimeo. I mean, kind of perfect for, for Gummo, though. It was kind of an authentic Gummo experience. If That's it was right. just like on HBO Max, you know, that, you know, they restored it. That'd be weird. Just a grainy Vimeo of Gummo. It felt really, felt really good. Felt really rich and, and authentic. It's a great way to yeah. watch it. Uh, and the, whoever posted it, God bless. They seem to be trying to hide it. Like the thumbnail is yeah. like the colored bars. They don't want you to see uh, it. It's Vimeo, dude. Nobody's going to take it down. It's fine. You did good, though. You did good. I'm going to put a link to Vimeo in. Uh, to, the, to the Gummo. Uh, I'm going to put a link to the Gummo Vimeo in the notes if you want to go watch Gummo. Again, strong content warning for animal violence. And everything. Uh, and for it's everything. A, it's such and a true everything. thing to point yes. out. But folks. There's a whole host of things you might not like that you're going to experience during Gummo. That's true. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. All right. Before we get to Home Alone, uh, Joe wanted to take a second here and watch that, as promised, watch that uh, Harmony Kareen appearance on Letterman, his second of three appearances where he talks about gummo. Uh, and I also wanted to, if you're watching on Plus, you you might have noticed that our outfits have, have briefly changed. That's because we are recording this later at a later date. And we are also wearing, this is very exciting. Look at these. You have to see them on Plus. You have to be on foreverdog.plus to see them. But we are wearing... Ingmar Bergman t-shirts. Ingmar Bergman t-shirts. Uh, there's a little uh, uh, drawing for each each of Bergman's movies. Every movie that Bergman made. There's the Seven Seal. I guess we're allowed to look at that drawing of the Seven Seal. That's You're allowed to look at drawings okay. of the Seven Seal. So we can look at that drawing. Um, it's oh, This is so cool. Little drawings of every movie. Uh, and these uh, shirts are made by an artist, Nathan Gelgood. Very talented artist, Nathan Gelgood. You might have heard him on The Best Show uh, this week. Um, and he's made shirts for uh, a bunch of directors just like these. He has an Agnes Varda. He's got a Hal Ashby. He's got a Fastbinder. He's got a Godard. He's got a uh, Almodovar. He's got uh, he's oh. got he's got he's got tons. He's probably got new ones coming out. Uh, and if you want to get one of these Bergman shirts, one of these cool Bergman shirts, we'll also post this on 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 uh, on Twitter. Uh, but to get the full effect, you really got to see it on Plus. And if you want to get one of these. Um, Bergman shirts for yourself, just go to gelgood.etsy.com, gelgood.etsy.com. That is G-E-L-G-U-D.etsy.com. I'll put a link in the show notes. You click right on that. You go there. You buy a shirt. They're really cool. I think he's got they're, some they're other- They're so cool. They're, you you they're, love this, right? They're as cool. I love them. I, I want like three of the ones that you said. The art is awesome. And you're not going to look annoying like you're wearing, oh, like the, oh, it's the uh, Bellatar rock shirt again. No, no, no. These are fresh and they look yep. very cool. Yes, that's very important. Drawings, very important folks. to add is these are not, uh, these are just cool and fun and stylish. Yeah. Uh, they don't come off as pretentious. I'm going to no. wear this thing everywhere no, and I'm going to get awesome. great comments on it. Yes, you are. Uh, and I can't wait for that. Yes. Uh, you can also follow Nathan Gelgood at Gelgood, G-E-L-G-U-D on Twitter. Give him a follow. Uh, thank you so much, Nathan, for Sincerely, these shirts. Sincerely, thank you. That's so cool. These nice are so awesome. I really appreciate it. These are so Nathan. awesome. Thank you so much. All right, let's watch Kareen on Letterman. One oh, yeah. second. Let's watch this too. 
Jackson Gass garnered both uh, shock and praise as the screenwriter of the controversial motion picture Kids. Now he's making his directorial debut with the film Gummo, which uh, opened today. Here is Harmony Corrine. Harmony, come on out. Here he comes. Look at that sweet little boy. Get out of my damn shot. Look at you. Oh, sorry, folks. This sweet boy is wearing a sweater. Welcome back to the show. We haven't seen you in a couple of years. I guess you were here. Looks when like he's coming home from a Choate Rosemary yeah, for real, Christmas break yeah. at Grand Central I, Station. Yeah, it's like a little yeah. prep school boy. But it's boy. been a long time since you came back. This is the guy that just made gummo. Yeah, it was, it was like um, two years. Yeah, but did you want to come back in the, in the meantime? Did you ever so find yourself saying, geez, I'd like to go back and see Dave? Oh, yeah, yeah. Really? Um, well, what happened? Well, this one night, I, I, I really was thinking about that. Really? Well, that's good. It was good. Dave um, loves it. Dave's yes, already having a blast. You know, blast. I saw your film, Gummo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My, that's, a, that's an interesting piece of work, that Gummo. Thanks. What, is, <laughs> what does Gummo mean as the title? Well, Gummo was the fifth Marx brother. Mm -hmm. um, but can, can you name all the Marx brothers? Yeah, but, well... <laughs> well, let's go. All right. All right, well, you have Zeppo, Harpo. Zeppo, Harpo. And um, obviously Chico. Groucho. Groucho. It's really pronounced Gummo. Chico. Chico, Because okay. he liked to change you know, Sometimes chips. There you go. Sometimes Dave goes a, slow. He also liked to gamble. He's going to, he and, wants uh, to get as much out of this as he can. Golf. He's, yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. this is going to be he can't he would, uh, the gamble. highlight of my month. Yes. And, um... This so are you a big fan of the so Marx game the dude yeah, the Dave but, thing. Yeah, but Gummo He's, quit uh, because he liked to wear women's clothes. No, um, is that right? Yeah, and he sold... It's not true, actually, but... Gummo did? I mean, yeah. that would be cool. That would be cool, but that's not true. But the no. He not sold women's clothes. He was, a, he was like a haberdasher. Do with Gummo. It's just somebody that you liked, you admired, and you named the film Gummo. Yeah. Kareem plays fast and loose with the truth. I love what the movie is about. Is it autobiographical in any sense? Well, not really. It's just more like about... Specific scenes. It's specific just, scenes from your uh, childhood, from your upbringing. Well, some of them, but not really. Um, it's just more like. A, All right, now, well, let me interrupt you right there because yeah. I've seen the film. Okay. If you can give us an example of a scene that represents your your upbringing, and an example of a scene that has nothing to do with your upbringing, I'd just like to know Good what question. kind of the, the guy. I'm uh, I, 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 a hell of an interviewer when he wants to be. Yeah. Okay. Um, fair enough. Yeah, it's right, fair. Okay. Um, I guess. Um, I used to eat spaghetti in my bath. Right. Well, okay, I would now take that's, baths. that's a scene, yeah. You're, you're in the bathtub, and you got a, one of those things across the tub. Yeah. And you're eating spaghetti, you're eating dinner. Yeah, I would also, if you notice in that scene, there's a piece of taped bacon on the wall. No, I didn't. <laughs> I have to load that back up. <laughs> Who's playing who here? They're playing together. They're duetting. They're duetting. They're duetting. They're duetting. This is dueling pianos, baby. But you saw Harmony take a little sip of sip of water after that bacon and bacon on the wall comment. He knows what he's doing. I personally like the well, bacon is is a my aesthetic, essentially. And um I'm sorry, bacon is your is your what? Well, as far as it being as far as it being as far as it being humorous, tape bacon, it's um it's just something I really get it. I really get excited about. And listen to Dave always playing the audience surrogate. He knows he knows what bacon is my aesthetic means. But he's like, yeah, ba ba bacon's your what? Your what? This is exactly why we don't need Arnold Schwarzenegger. They're both getting exactly what they want. Out of yes, here. they're having so much fun. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Once now that I met Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, nice man. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Harmony shrugs. Yeah. Is that the same? Yeah. Yeah. Dave gonna, loves gonna, him. Gonna, yeah. Wait a minute. We're not done. I want to follow up on this. Okay. So now that's an. That's an Dave has never been more invested of, uh, in that did happen the in answers to his own questions. Something in the film that is in no way connected to reality as you know it. Okay. Um, for, for instance, the movie starts with a, um, a dog that's impaled on a satellite um, mm-hmm. in someone's house. A satellite dish, an antenna. Yeah. Yeah. But that's after like a tornado. Yeah. Well, well that could have happened. That happens well, all the time. You know, like cows flying through the air and stuff. Yeah, but... Well, it might have happened. Well, see, what happened was I, um, I ride unicycles. And um, I, was, I was for the first... No, you don't. For the first time in my life, I was riding one down a dirt road, and right. I saw and I saw the dog. And um, well, we put in a satellite dish. Yeah, and we put in a satellite. All right, we'll come back to that later. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you go to the Gap, they'll put cuffs right on those pants. <laughs> Great. Great. We'll cut to Harmony's bottom of his pants. He's got big. Put they put some big cuffs on his pants. I'm not, I don't like that yeah, company. you're fine, you're fine. Just take it yeah. easy. Um, <laughs> tell me about the, uh, the cast in the film. It's an interesting he's getting, Dave's getting mildly good. exasperated, yeah, 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 which is yeah, yeah. Only, yeah. only makes this even more fun. Um, well, my big influence is um, once I saw, when I was in high school, I saw um, this play. Um, I don't really know if I should talk about that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, what, what about it you find objectionable? He's good. Um, okay. It was, um, well, you know, James, you know, James Joyce, Ulysses. Um, I was just kind of inspired because I used to know Snoop Dogg a long time ago and he was, uh, and it was a play that he was starring in the, the, he was starring in the theatrical version of that, that story. Right. So, so I was, um, that's where I basically got it, the idea from. Yeah. But now, if we can go back to the question. There's no, there's, uh, that can't even remotely be true. Nah, there's no way. I mean, it's a, it's a very rich, colorful group of great, cast but... members you yeah. have. And, and I'm curious as to how you found these people, oh, okay. where you found them, and how you, why you selected them to put them in the, uh, in the, in the film Gummo. Okay, um, the main actor's name is Tumblr. And he, um, I saw him on an episode of Sally Jesse Raphael. Called, um, that's true. That's true. Called, that's true. Um, it was called "My Child Died from Sniffing Paint." And, um, that's true. I think I said glue before. But, but. <laughs> Dave is milking this one. He looks to the crowd. Yeah, the harmony's no, I mean, milking I mean, it too. Think, you think yes. this is easy, don't you? <laughs> You're just sitting there in your house eating Cheetos. You think this is easy, don't you? Yeah. But, <laughs> Yeah. Two pros. What did you think about that, Joe? Well, I thought that was funny. AF. I also think it's very funny that Gummo was popular enough to get like the director on Letterman. Isn't like, that wild? Was, like, the press tour, like the release was wide enough that he's on Letterman at all promoting Gummo of all things. As if like people, I mean, I guess, yeah, people in CBS are going to. Because it wasn't like a Miramax movie or something. It was, but I mean, the 90s were, was a yeah, golden just, age of independent cinema. Yeah. Like independent That's movies cool. were hot. It was really a hot thing. Yeah. And I'm sure Letterman, because um, he originally had him on after Kids came out in 95. Okay. And I'm sure Letterman was looking to have him back on for that. Because oh. the, the kids appearance is great as well. Yeah. Uh, there's a third one, I guess, for Julian Donkey Boy. 
and then he was banned from the show after that because, uh, according to Letterman, uh, uh, he caught Harmony Kareem going through Meryl Streep's purse backstage well, at the true. late show. That's what Letterman says. The the kind of the sad part of that is that like it was at a period where Kareem was just like uh, was just like uh, addicted to heroin yeah, and crack yeah. and like and and like two of his homes burned down. He had a t- oh, he had a rough go in the yeah, late nineties. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's. Well, it's a it's wild credible ride. based on the context, uh, but that's what Letterman said. And it, Letterman revealed that in a interview with James Franco on his show later promoting Spring Breakers because Franco came on and was like, why isn't Kareen allowed back on? And Letterman's like, because I called him going through Meryl Streep's purse. <laughs> but also, like, he's more than welcome to come back now. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. Um, wow. Well, I'm so, yeah. I can't believe I'm, I'm going to watch the, yeah. the first and the third. You got to. Great. You got to. Uh, you can find him on YouTube. They're so much fun. Uh, and they're just the matchmaking. It's like the golden. It's like it's like um, because th- this is that that's the you know the big CBS Letterman show, not like the old, not like the you know eighties Letterman show. Um, uh, but it's very much like you know when he used to have Harvey Pekar or whoever mm-hmm. back on in the eighties. It has that vibe because you know Letterman is always looking to get back to the the, the glory days, and he does there. And yeah. they just they both settle right in the pocket, and they just it's <sighs> dueling pianos, baby. Letterman's great skill there is like he. He is he and Kareen. He has the most in common with Kareen. He is like him and Kareen are on the same side of things, right? Like artistically, comedically, whatever. But he convinces you as the audience watching that he's like on your side. That he is like I'm just, just regular a, Joe yeah, Schmo just, from Middle America. Look, at this, yeah. look yeah. at this guy. What am I yeah. supposed to do with this? Yeah. His mind is going a fucking hundred miles an hour <laughs> when Kareen's out there. He could not be happier. And neither could I. Neither could we. Neither could I. Uh, I found this uh, after directing Gummo, blah, 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 blah. He told interviewers that he hoped the film would play in shopping malls and that his next project was an adaptation of Joyce's Ulysses starring Snoop Dogg. Okay, so he was like, he was trotting that Snoop Dogg story around town. But I thought he said there that it was a, that wasn't, okay, it was just a non sequitur. That wasn't like the play he saw. That's what I thought he was saying. I think it was, it sounded like that, but I think it was a non sequitur. Okay, okay. I think he just, I think he's just, he's just, it's everything great, was a, a non sequitur. Yes. Yeah, so I think that was an idea. Hey, you he know, had. Beach Bum, Snoop, Snoop makes an appearance in Beach Bum, he, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah, yes. He amazing... He's uh, uh, Isla Fisher's like, yeah, uh, right, right, you know, right. lover and like and he's that, promoting. You know, I the, wonder yeah. if the Ulysses sort of went into yes. the Moon Dogs epic. Beach Bum. Folks, if you haven't watched Beach Bum, fire it up tonight. Oh, Beach Bum. Watch Beach tonight, Bum. If it's not on streaming, I'll Venmo you the $3.99. Oh folks, fire up Beach Bum. Um, it's the most fun you'll have at the movies, Beach Bum. That's right. Gummo, not, not, not quite as fun. But good. Uh, let's move on to Home Alone. You know it. We all know it. Came out in 1990. I'm just now, <laughs> the whiplash of I'm talking just, about these two films. Yeah, and I'm just now like, am I going to send Home Alone to the trash can? Because you well, kind of knows? you uh, you talking about Gummo made me like Gummo more. Well, let's I talk about say, Home Alone. Maybe you'll say, like yes. it even okay, more. Great. So Home Alone uh, came out in 1990, uh, written by um, you know the. Big time 80s uh, uh, persona, John Hughes, you know him from all the teen movies from the 80s, 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, etc. This one, though, he wrote and 
I, I don't know if he was working on their stuff or just not interested in directing, but he wrote it and then very much sort of like ushered it all the way through to production. He handpicked uh, director Chris Columbus. He was like helping out with kind of locations in this, just making sure that his vision was was maintained mm-hmm. uh, throughout the movie. But he did not actually direct it. Chris Chris Columbus, one of the, the great Italian American uh, uh, directors. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea if he's Italian. <laughs> Uh, it stars, of course, uh, Macaulay I think Culkin. If you watch Home Alone's via the Italian American lens, it kind of shines a different light. Joe Pesci, Joe, this is what uh, I'm talking about. Daniel Stern, a John Hurd, Cutter's Ways, John Hurd, and of course the great Catherine O'Hara. Hurd lays an egg in the film. We also get a Hurd John. Lays an egg he has in the nothing film. to do. He lays an egg. Watch Cutter's Way. That guy's got chops. Uh, Catherine O'Hara and 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 a, a cameo from John Candy later on in the movie, which was fun. Very fun. Um, this movie, holy shit, was this movie a phenomenon? This was my first experience. The second one was probably Jurassic Park, but this was my first um, uh, experience I remember uh, growing up. My first experience with a like f- um, a phenomenon movie, a movie that just like mm. a swallowed culture whole mm. and left nothing but the bones <laughs> behind. Um, Home Alone. Listen to this shit. Uh-huh. Eighteen million dollar budget. Four hundred seventy-six yes. million at the box office. Home Alone was the number one. This this shit just does not happen anymore. Not even for Marvel movies. Home Alone was the number one film at the box office for twelve consecutive weeks, <laughs> from it's November like through shit. through February. This is a Christmas movie that was still number one at the box office on February first. Hey, I watched it in June and I was laughing. It was uh, only re- it was finally removed from the top spot by Sleeping with the Enemy, the Julia Roberts film Sleeping with the cool. Enemy. Um, it remained in the top 10, uh, it remained in the top 10 until April 26th. Okay. It was still in the top 10 box office until April 26th. This movie came out in November. All right. Um, and then let me uh-huh. see. It made two more appearances in the top 10. The weekend of May 31st to June 2nd, people had a Why? little, like, we're like, oh, we, we forgot about Home Alone. We got to, no, it was just still in theaters. I tell oh, you what, oh. Joe, when I was, I, I, this is one of my, like, I, I have a distinct, distinct memory of this, of being like, as a kid, and I don't even know why I would be aware of like, um, the box office and movie theater and this stuff. I have a distinct memory of being like, Home Alone is like still in theaters. Like it shouldn't be in theaters anymore. It's still in theaters. This movie was basically in theaters for a year. I swear to God, like closing in on a year. This movie was so popular for such a long time. People watched it two, three, four, five times out of season. Like we're watching it, right? This movie went back into the top 10 uh, May 31st to June 2nd and June 14th to June 16th. It was back in the top 10. Uh, This is before finally falling out. This sentence is crazy. After over nine months into its theatrical run, the film had earned 16 times its debut weekend. It was the Just top strong word of mouth for, for Home Alone. I mean, and, and why not? It's, well, a, it's a crowd pleaser. Highest, it's funny. Highest grossing live it's action so comedy ever until uh, The Hangover Part 2. It's the highest grossing comedy ever until Hangover Part 2. Highest grossing live action comedy ever until Hangover Part 2. Uh, okay. Home Alone. What is there what to say about it? it? What is there to say about it? I, folks, you already I would love to hear what you think because you, you, you seem to be tortured about your opinion about Home Alone. Also, you said you have a hot take and I'm, I'm chomping at the bit. What are, what are these hot takes? It's not such a hot take, okay, what, what's but your take? It's, it is... The and it's intentional, of course, it's intentional. I just wonder it why it was. I guess, all right, here's my here's my big take. Here's my big take from, from Home Alone, particularly from the, the, the first act of Home Alone. People, the people in this movie are as cruel 
and sadistic as the people in Gummo. They are like these are like this is a like this is a yeah. this is yeah. a deeply sadistic suburb, family. Suburban Gummo. They and look, I get it. We're all mean as kids, and we're mean to each other because we're figuring stuff out or figuring out boundaries and this and that. Um, the kids in this movie are are. Are they have no other mode? They only know cruelty. Yeah. They only know cruelty to each other. They are so mean to each other. And then you find out. Then then when the parents start chipping in and throwing their two cents around, you're like, oh, well, look who they got it from. The uncle is so mean. The parents are detached jerk. and mean. When I was a kid, someone was like, "You're a little jerk." I was like, "Oh my god!" Like if my uncle said that to me, I would I would die in front of everybody. In front of in front everybody, of everybody without knowing you. the facts, without knowing anything. Okay, without knowing anything. Yeah. Uh, Kevin had like a, a Buzz, yeah, the a big jerk. big mean Buzz was like being uh you know it's a classic thing where he's being rude to Kevin. Nobody sees that, but then when Kevin fights back, everybody sees that. But this uncle doesn't have the facts. He calls Kevin a little jerk. He calls what? How old is Kevin in this movie? You think was hey. Kevin? Eight, he calls an eight-year-old a little jerk in front of his entire family and extended family. Uncle, is that Uncle Frank? What's that guy's name? Who gives a shit? Uncle Frank. Uncle Frank. He has one thing on his mind the entire movie, and that's getting to Paris and enjoying himself. I'll tell you what I'm Nothing calling him. Will stand in oh, great. Way. Well, I hope you enjoyed your baguette. I'm uh, Uncle. I'm fucking Uncle Asshole uncle. is what we'll call him. All right. Okay. Well, can can I talk about this? Yes, please. Um, I okay. So you're right. Me family. When, when, when I was a when I was a kid, and today, like when I was a kid, I was devastated by the cruelty in the family and the rudeness with, with which Kevin treats his mother, you know, the, the, the things that he calls her and just the way everyone treats their parents, the way he's they treat, driven to it though. He's driven to it. Okay. But here's what I kind of took away on this watching, which is, you know what I think? So here's what I think. I think the movie works so gangbusters because of two things. Well, besides, besides the Looney Tunes slapstick comedy, which is all time. And it's just so funny and good. It's great. It's great. Yeah, right. But one of the things that really makes it work is the is Catherine O'Hara's commitment to the bit. She sells the stakes. She's fantastic. And I mean, I'm, she's always this fantastic. is looping back to your yeah. point about act one. Catherine O'Hara sells the stakes of this movie and infuses it with like love. And then it's perfectly paced out by John Hughes to always – the second that – uh, she's could be called out for being a bad mom. They immediately kind of save her for being like a good mom. And Catherine Harris sells it, sells the stakes, sells how bad she wants to get home to it and sells how good of a mom she actually is, despite this massive fuck up. And I feel like that sort of um, kind of grounds the film on what this family is really about, despite act one. But um, regarding act one, I, this time I realized why it has to be so cruel. And I don't think it's for. Yeah, laughs. It's set, Here's why. set up for the it sets, go ahead, go ahead, it go just go ahead. exactly. They have to be this cruel because otherwise it's just not going to play. 21, so, 29. Y- you got to be cruel so that when Kevin wakes up, he's so happy that he made his family disappear. And then he's so happy and doing all the bits and eating the ice cream and running around and having fun. And that really plays because they were such jerks to him. And then right when you need Catherine O'Hara to show her true colors, sweet she boy. really commits to being the, like a good mom who really fucked up, who's trying to get back, who's so stressed out about it. And you can really see and feel the love that they have for each other. And then she sort of balances it out so that the movie's beats can sort of can bounce along good. But if the if the people aren't really cruel up top and Kevin can't have that montage when all everyone's swirling around his head and going, Kevin, you're di- dipshit. Kevin, you're a jerk. Kevin, why'd you do it? You little piss pants. That whole little montage. We're about to watch head. it. And then, okay, great. And then he goes, you know, I'll be able to disappear. It just, that's, you have to kind of go hard with the cruelty. So, because this moment really, it fucking sings. But then, what it's is the? Classic. But then, what is the ultimate message of Home Alone? That like, because everything. I know the message of Home Alone. Everything. That crime is rampant in Chicago. Everything. Everything. 
everything that any 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 choice that everybody makes bad everybody like if you have a choice to make in this movie you make a wrong choice you're mean you are uh spiteful you're sadistic you are vengeful right the only thing cuz Catherine O'Hara does reveal herself to be a good mom at heart right. but I'm only at a very instinctive mistakes. at a very instinctive mother bear kind of level once everything has gone to shit and Kevin is literally home alone in Chicago and she's in Paris the the lesson of this movie is that like you ultimately you need fa- like family only exists in this movie. The only good type of family that exists in this movie is is at the most instinctive, the most instinctive level. Just just being connected as, by blood and by family, and you have to protect and you have to watch out for them. That's it. But like the the day to day life of these people is just unending cruelty to each other, and it could stop at any point. Catherine O'Hara should step in at some point. I would, I would love to see her slap the fucking smug look off that uncle's hey, face. Hey, hey, look, you look, you have one kid. It's hard. In the, in the opening scene, Catherine O'Hara is dealing with 20 kids getting ready to pack to go to Paris. Are you saying that you would have the wherewithal to treat every She's single not the only parent in there. She's not the only parent. Hey, this isn't about Uncle Frank. Uncle Frank's cruel. Uncle Frank's cruelty knows no bounds. If she had Uncle just Frank's smacked the knows no shit bounds. out of Uncle Frank and said, you, you call my son a jerk again, yeah. you're going to get worse than a smack. Let's push back on what I said. You're going to get worse if, than if, a if smack. They were, if they were a I'm little tiny kick bit your, nice, I'm going to kick your fucking teeth down your throat, Frank. If Catherine O'Hara said that line to Uncle Frank... I think I think I think I think she could have said that, and the movie still could have played. Okay, but listen. So 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 Buzz. So Buzz. Look. So Buzz is mean. Like a mean would have ran for sixteen months. Buzz is mean. Fuller p- pees the bed. That's not really mean to like. They're mean to him. They're but mean like, to him. That's no, a reality Kevin tr- has to deal with. It's trickle down meanness. It's, it's Reagan era Reaganomics meanness, where everything trickles down, and then poor Kieran Culkin. Why do you think he's wet in the bed? Because he's he's full of anxiety all day. Because you're all you're all complete fucking assholes to everybody to him and everybody else. But, the, but it's fu- the fuller the fuller stuff's funny. You're gonna wet the bed. It is funny. But but uh, look look look. Let's I just pretend. I hate, I hate we're, this we're family. Gonna, I hate on, this family. Watch this and they're rich. They're wealthy. Give me a break. Fuck this family. Wealthy people exist, and sometimes wealthy people. The, I think the wealthy would be more inclined to leave their children behind when they go to Paris. You know, I think that that makes sense from a comedic standpoint. And the parents are in flying in first class, and all the kids are in coach. You're telling me that's. You're telling me that. Oh, Brett. Brett. No, 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 I don't, Brett. I don't, I don't subscribe to this Brett. world. I don't live in this world, baby. Brett. You, you, you fly where your where your kids fly. Okay, no, you're one. You're a unit. If I could fly first class. I'd put my well, kids kick your feet back. up, baby. Meanwhile, Gummo's little Gummo Cilio's in the back, uh, b- burning the down fi- the plane. I was watching the finals, and I was like, nobody under eighteen in the first five rows of the finals. Period. You know what I mean? That's how I feel about first class. Look, I don't think first class first should class, exist. Period. This is class, a bigger if issue I for in me. First class, and I saw a fucking child. Like, what the fuck are you doing here? Here's what so I want to say: that, here, here, give, give somebody somebody in the back of your seat. First class. I'm should, not going to bring my first kids class to should first not class. exist. Period. For, there should be no wait, first wait, class. You, there should you be have no a great first idea. class. Is this your idea? Well, my idea was your there. If the, you can't afford a separate plane, if you can't afford a private plane, then you don't get to like that's first class, right? You you, there, you, should be, right. there should be a separate There's plane, no a first, first class plane. I also, I also, I hate that too. I hate that it's even come to that. But what I hate more, what I hate more is this. Like you, just like I just noticed it more than ever lately because they keep making first class better and they keep making coach worse and worse and worse and dude, you're, horrendous you're packed like but, i literally last flight i was on uh with sandy sandy uh we, we, we went to chicago uh went to chicago sandy my son went to chicago um sandy falls asleep on the plane i'm holding him in my arms i cannot figure out a way to hold him without like a sort of going into the seat next to me on the left or uh b even worse his head going in the fucking aisle 
Dude. I could not fit my sleeping son in the seat. I had to angle my body at such – I had to do, become a fucking hermit crab. Mm-hmm. And then meanwhile, you got fucking 12 of God's favorite sons up in the mm-hmm. fucking first mm-hmm. class, mm-hmm. right? Look, I'm, just, I'm not saying – With their legs uh, kicked up in Lazy Boys watching goddamn, uh, you know, uh, Lady Bird on, the, on, the, on, the, on their widescreen TVs. What I'm saying – Lady Bird's great. What I'm saying Disgusting. Is, you don't like Lady Bird? No, I don't like first class. Oh, okay, that's fine. So, um, Ladybird's fine. It's La- good. La- Ladybird's great. It's great. Great. It's great. It's fine. I'm in a bad mood. Now. La- Ladybird's great. Little Women. Oh, awful. That Barbie movie. That looks good. Now, now that I'm on board. We'll talk more about. We have that. ten minutes. Let's hurry up. Of, Let's hurry up. I was no. I'm in. I'm all in. So, um, get rid of first class. Fine. Okay. Well, I was. I was just gonna to put a pin in this. I was gonna say. Or charge I'm me not, two dollars for my seat because that's all it's you worth. You should put your baby in coach. I'm saying that like, Buzz, you think Buzz should sit in first class? You're saying the parents should sit. Parents in coach. should sit in coach. You don't sit in first class and leave your kids to their own devices. Oh, that's I fucking would. gummo back there. I that's fucking Zeno, Ohio. Here's the that, kind of guy I am. If I could fly first class, and I could afford to put all my kids in first class too, they'd go in the back. They'd go in coach. Great. Well, okay. then you know what's going to happen? Somebody else is going to have to parent those kids, or, or at least no, my kids will be good. I'm not raising a bunch of gummos. I'm not raising it, a bunch of buzzes here. Where's a bunch of just kids? They just go in the back, play your Game Boy, and relax. You were very touching in that tornado scene that we played out earlier. Thanks. All right, let's watch this real quick. So let's pretend, though, let's watch it. We've all seen it. Just like imagine in your head, what if Kevin's family was like a little bit, it was just kind of like nice. I know you need it as a plot no, listen, device, I, I am but there are consequences to that wrong. when you when you when you uh, make plot wrong. subservient to. When you make the plot yeah, serve the structure, I think it served it fine. You just told me it raised. Four hundred and fifty million dollars. I think you have some unintended classic. consequences. The unintended consequences. This movie. The the this movie is a terrible portrait of family life. It's it, it scared me as a child. I didn't like this family at all. I'm with you on that. But this watch. I'm just wondering if it helps the comedy. I'm so sorry, Brian. To our wonderful producer, Brian. Please, please play the clip. I'm sorry. This is the only scene we're watching from Home Alone. It all comes down to this. It all comes down. To, it all comes down to this. See, I'm wearing. Win me I'm, over, see, baby. I'm wearing his thing. French call. Les 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 also, it's, Kevin, I'm going it's to a little too trash. mean, but like it's also Kevin. funny. The greatest, the greatest use of bedhead in movie history. You are too. such a disease. Is t- that, that's straight from Gummo. The only one who has to make trouble. Look what you did, you little jerk. Maybe, maybe Shove Uncle your Frank's face in a damn who, toilet. No, I don't think he is, but maybe. maybe. All right, this part's great. Hate Uncle Frank. I made my family disappear. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> Fucking rock and roll, baby! Juxtaposition. If it's not, look, this is classic. If, if, if he didn't just hear all that shit, this doesn't play. Never mind. It has to be Woo! cool. John Hughes Woo! knows more than Brett and I Woo! about comedy, and this is how it has to be. Do it, Kevin. Be. Look at how funny this is. He should burn that damn burn house down. Foreverdog.plus. Oh, yeah, man, Macaulay can scream with the best of them, folks. And now he goes. Oh, uh, what's in here? Buzz's stuff. We got some Playboys, some Junior Mints. He, he has some mean words for Buzz's girlfriend in this scene, which I do not like because if you put it on screen, it's an endorsement of behavior. We can stop so, it there. You know right. the creator yeah. of Junior Mints, Robert Welch, uh, funded the John Birch Society. <laughs> all right, I that's, did. That's a true story. Yeah, uh, yeah, he was the original Mike Lindell, but he was, awesome. he was much better at it. How about the roll guy? You know, like the 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 guy who makes the potato rolls is like you know the new Coke brother. Really, I didn't know. Careful that. this Fourth of July, folks. Watch where you're getting you're sourcing your hot dog rolls. From. Look, every product you buy Everything, in a store is funding the right wing 
fucking religious militant takeover of this country. So yeah, the, just keep the, that in the, mind the, when you the, buy things. Yeah, the potato roll guy is gonna gonna. And look, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. We're all fucked. All right, all right. Here we go. Uh, the moment of truth. Which movie is going in the can and which movie is going in the trash can? And oh my god, I'm torn. Just real quick, you know, just to talk about uh, Home Alone for five seconds. Just to say this because we're about to make a huge decision. Because I don't, I, just, I don't feel like we said this. The end of Home Alone. Yes, please. Where Joe Pesci and the guy whose name I forget, arrest me. I'm sorry. Are going into Kevin's house was essentially the funniest thing I had ever seen in my entire life up to this point. Like until I saw Monty Python and the Holy Grail, like essentially that was the funniest thing besides Looney Tunes I'd ever seen. And it is Looney Tunes. It's real life Looney Looney Tunes. Tunes. But yeah, these great actors ever seen in my entire life. And you know what? Pesci and Daniel Stern really, really bring out the comedy of it all. They're so good at it. It was so funny. Yes. It is funny. Dude, my only criticism, and my wife said the same thing who watches with me, was that like we're like, hey, when we were kids, we remembered that being so much longer. And so I, so I, it was tight. It was like 10 minutes. It's very tight. It's the very end of the like, movie. It's the very end of you know, the movie. It's like the end of Blazing Saddles, like hilariously long joke. And really, I thought it was like act three. It's just 10 minutes. It's very tight. Um, But man, it really does play. The John Candy stuff's funny. Uh, as I said, Catherine O'Hara is wonderful. Um, you know, it brings a tear to your eye at the end because John Williams' score is so gorgeous and Christmassy and triumphant. There is a lot. There's a reason this movie is a classic. Um, and I just wanted this. Remember, I wanted to remind you of all that energy just before you made this humongous decision. Because, folks, if something goes in the canon, me and Brett can watch it tomorrow night. If we put it in the trash canon, we can never watch it again as long as we live. We've discussed this many times. We don't care that we'd like to watch Home Alone with our children. If that either, cannot factor if, in, doesn't matter. I might if, have to watch Gummo with my kid. If either of our sons want to watch Home Alone with us, we will have to go to the other room and say, "Watch it with your mother. Watch it with your uncle. Watch it with your sister." If, if we have other children and, and, and that person's a girl. The uh, so, the uh, uh, actor who played the snow shovel killer who ends up yeah. being the sweet old man guy. who who delivers uh, the great lesson of the movie, um, uh, you know, taking uh, not taking your family for granted, loving, you know, what's in front of you, being kind to the people around you so you don't regret it later in life. Williams. His name selling. was his name. Roberts Blossom. Beautiful. Roberts Blossom. He was a poet as well as a character actor. Mm. God he has, he has bless. A face. God bless Robert's Blossom. Right, what's it going to be? Uh, Chloe Savigny did the costumes for Gummo. Chloe Savigny did they're do so the good. costumes for Gummo. And they contribute to the heightened uh, reality. She also loves cosplaying as a nasty little redneck. I love her. I am uh, I am I'm very It was what's a it gonna very be? interesting screening of Gummo this past week. Um I took a lot from it, hearing you talk about it, I have a lot to think about. Um, I did not like it as much as uh, Home Alone, and I did not think it was as good as Home Alone as a movie. I'm going to put Home Alone in the canon, and I am going to put, um, I am going to uh, lay lay uh, Gummo sweetly down uh, for an eternal slumber in the trash cannon, where I think it would, I, I feel like it wants to be. In the it wants to be in the trash cannon. No, if it, I put it, Gummo it, in the cannon, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, you know, like uh, Harmony Crean would shoot me with yeah. a BB gun when I walked out of here. But Brett, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to tell you what movie I like better, what movie I liked more. It's a classic misdirection. He's putting Home Alone in the cannon, folks. I watch these movies back to back. I thought I knew what I was all about, but, you know, I just have to be honest. It's the part of this podcast that's essential is the honesty. 
Uh, Brett, it looks like we're going to a motherfucking, oh my a motherfucking god journey. I'll say, oh it. my god, I really loved Gummo. I wow. thought it was awesome. I, I not not because I'm trying to be annoying or like it's like cool like. All those movies that kind of get lumped into like, oh, you're trying to like be from college. That's true for a time in your life. And then I and then I bet if I watched it five years ago, this I, is I, thrilling. I, I'm like, so like excited. In college, right I'd be now. like Gummo. And then five years later, I'd be like, no, Gummo, because really, that's just for college stuff. But now that I'm just giving up and just going to be in myself, not giving up. You are free now that, from. Now that you're I'm free, free from pre from pretense preconception. Now that I'm free, yes. I just want to like tell you that I just like. Really liked Gummo. I thought it was I'm very amazing. happy for you. I'm very happy for you. I was like, whoa. And Home Alone's so funny, but I, I just liked I just liked Gummo more. I was I was very I was on the edge of my seat during Gummo. It was it was, it was the same thrill as like Gene. I was like, what's gonna what's gonna, what's Harmony gonna do next? I uh, like Gina, that, is Gene no, gonna no, no, like no. make like breakfast for like twenty minutes? Like that thrill. Um, I for, that could for, be for that Gummo, could be the like, dividing line. I was like, what's gonna he's gonna what? Yeah, there's constantly surprises, tons of humanity, interesting jokes, scary as fuck, endlessly interesting. I liked it more. I love Home Alone. It's so funny. And I hate doing this podcast. You are putting yourself in a position where you might never be able to watch Home Alone. I just have to. I I don't want to do that. Somebody. uh, I respect it, though. You're being honest. Gummo versus Home Alone. You're being honest. I respect it. Home Alone's great. It may. I wonder too if it, if Gummo if you would change on multiple viewings because the 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 not, true I I I, the I I watched this probably ten times when I was in college. I was a little freak. But I, I but, watched, but, I watched but, Home Alone ten times when I was a kid. But uh, yeah, but Home Alone is, is rewards familiarity. Gummo, I think That's there true. is a thrill in watching it for the first time okay. and not knowing where it's going to go. So I wonder if that does factor in here because uh, I, I was just a little bit of, like I was a little bit. I mean, I, I hadn't seen it for a long time, so there, so I was like, oh, here's the here's a tennis boy, here's the old tennis guy. That part's so funny. Tennis guy is so funny. Tennis guy is so funny. So he puts funny. him in slow motion. Yes. I'm picking Gummo. We're sending it to the fans. Fans. Wow. Video. Fans. Now's Video. your oh, chance. Or, or Let your voice be heard. Like asking fans to watch Gummo. You don't have to watch Gummo if you don't want to. It's not a pleasant film in any in This. Any I wonder if this is a, 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 a symptom of impending fatherhood because when I was getting close to the birth of, of my son last year, I got very into just like intense movies, visceral movies, graphic movies, uh-huh. and it was some kind of I was almost like I felt like I don't know. I, I there's something about it like I wanted to it was sort of a protective impulse like I wanted to like get in you, touch you, look, with look, the darkness I, in order to I, keep mm-hmm. it at bay or I something. I respect what you're doing and I think it's valid. You're psychoanalyzing my decision and you're probably picking out the right threads, but I just want to say to to the audience, I just watched both of the movies in a row and I just liked Gummo more. But you're you're probably um I think I'm tapping you're, you're into you're something. You're probably right. I'm tapping into I'm just, uh, yeah. Probably. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying um, Gummo is great. People, it's some, look, we talked about this with Killing Them Softly. Killing Them Softly is not as good as Gummo. Interesting. See, see, not as good as Gummo. But he's taking a Gummo swing in the first scene. He's That's taking, what I was talking like, about. He's trying to this, he's this, trying to swing for the Gummo fences, I, and he's, I, I don't and he's striking out. Oh, I disagree. I think that he. No, I think he strikes connected. out, and he and then he reevaluates and says, "You know, I'm going to do a little. I'm just a little more character." I think I'm a, I'm in a, Killing Them Softly, I, I admired big swings. In Gummo, I admired connecting with the ball and hitting it out of the park. All right. So now it's up to you, audience. You follow us at Weekend Bergman on Twitter, Instagram. We'll have a uh, the, the poll will be on Twitter you, though. You, you go to Twitter. You see some shit. You have Watch two Gummo. two votes. You can vote for one of two things. You can vote for Gummo or you can vote for uh, Home Alone. Which one? Again, 
Be honest. Be honest. Watch these movies with with um these are just with violent fresh children. eyes. Viol- just fresh eyes, open hearts. Which one do you think is children. better? Which is the better movie? Which one do you like more, Gummo or Home Alone? Uh, this is the first time you chose the art house movie, and I chose the mainstream movie. Very Love interesting. It. Change in the winds. Change in the winds here at Weekend at Bourbons. Um. Well, I love I love this. I want to do more of this. And folks, we want to hear from you. Sorry, we're going to be on the edge of our thing. seat. No, <laughs> please go ahead. I just like I'm, I want to I want to hear from you, folks. I want to hear if you like Gummo or Home Alone. I want to hear your thoughts on the on the flicks. Who's seeing Black Phone this weekend? What do you think of Jurassic Park Dominion? Tell us, folks, on Ooh, Black Phone Weekend Bergman's. We want to we want to hear more. And Brett, what are we doing next week? Oh, next week we are celebrating the uh, we're celebrating uh, the the Independence Day. We're celebrating the Fourth of July. We're celebrating America. With uh, from the art house, from the art house, American Beauty, Sam Mendez's American Beauty, and from the mainstream, Nicolas Cage's National Treasure, baby. That's a great one. I'm so excited. American Beauty versus National Treasure, a fight to the death. What is the what what the a fight to death for? We'll just call it the greatest American movie of all time. <laughs> is it going to be American Beauty or National Treasure? Uh, celebrate Fourth of July next week with us as we watch American Beauty versus National Ooh. Treasure, and then we. After that is Ethan Hawk Week, which we'll get to later. Mm. Speaking of Black, Black Phone appetizer, folks. All right, uh, guys, I love you. Stay watching movies out there. We need like a uh, stay watching movies forever. Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by dog. Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.